When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, how many people sat down last night to watch the RTE Investigates programme, Ireland's Illegal Adoptions. By God, but people might knock RTE and that they show too many repeats. But when they decide to do these RTE investigates programme, they are always top notch. They're always sort of jaw dropping. You sort of watch them and you cannot believe that it's what's going on in this country. And once again, we are back to the dirty, dirty topic of adoptions in this country. There's just something rotten about the way adoptions were held in this country and are we ever going to see the day that we finally get to the bottom of it where we can say we've put all of the ghosts to bed from our adoption history. I mean the one last night was just incredible and this is the story that really has yet to be fully told I think and that's the number of children that went to America. I mean it got touched on yesterday but I reckon when this because the programme last night has gone up on the web, I wonder will it open a can of worms in the States and will it start to get people in the States who may have realised that they were adoption, adopted from Ireland to start digging a little deeper to find out exactly what went on around their adoption. I'm interested in your thoughts if you did watch the programme last night. Michael has already been on to us to say, Patricia, the reporter Aoife Hegarty and the researcher Pamela Fryer must be congratulated on that Primetime Investigates programme last night. And now, by the way, it has gone up on the uh, web. Those women and children did nothing wrong, but the corrupt state of saints and scholars became a state of devils and robbers, as St. Colum Kill prophesied. Those poor young mothers and innocent babies were put through years of torture and are suffering today. This sad and hidden history of the way in which the women of Ireland were treated in our history and so many, many of their achievements ignored the way in which they were ill-treated and prevented from exercising their rights the same way as any of us males are is truly disgusting at every level of society. May God forgive those who imposed that great suffering on what was innocent uh, children. That's from Michael. Thank you for that. And I know the Taoiseach Micheál Martin has said Ireland's illegal adoption scandal is shocking and he said the government will deal with it in a a caring way. In a contribution to his parliamentary party meeting Michal Martin was speaking now he was speaking ahead obviously I don't know if he'd got access if he'd been given a private viewing of it but it was this would have been ahead of the screening of the programme last night and uh, he um 
he said that the programme, uh, of course, was reporting on what Eamon de Valera's uh, son uh, did. And Micheál Martin uh, said they, these adoptions were illegal. They were wrong. And it a lot of the adoptions that featured last night were almost a decade after the Adoption Act of 1952 came into force. So that, that's what makes it truly illegal. There was laws in uh, place. He says there will be a full and caring government response of, to what is revealed. And he said the issue of illegal adoptions is shocking. We will ensure those affected are helped and that they are supported. He said it is crucial that they have access to their identity. And he said we are, as a government, advancing the information tracing legislation as a priority. The heads of the bill are expected by the end of the month. And that was the one thing I think for those of us that did watch it. The one thing that came across I think very strongly last night was that that need to know who you are and where you came from. Even if you do absolutely nothing with the information but just to know where you came from. And what was to me really jaw-dropping and most surprising was the women and men who found out they were adopted many, many years after the adoption. It was like the whole thing was kept a secret as if their parents were told to keep quiet about it because the the, the adoptions that were featured in the programme last night, they were made to look like the adoptive parents were actually the birth parents. So you have birth certs that are absolutely illegal and not worth the paper they are written on because when a normal adoption goes through, you get a birth cert, but it is an adoption certificate. So it's very clear on that birth cert, this adoption cert, that the child has been adopted and there's no hiding from it and and there shouldn't be any hiding from it. But what happened in the cases that were revealed in the programme last night was the adoptive parents. Their names were somehow, I still don't know how they managed to facilitate that, their names were put on a birth cert. So then these children grew up and every time they saw their birth cert, all they saw was their mother and father's name on what was a legally held birth cert. But it could have been anything. It was lies. And in some cases, even the date of birth was wrong. And that must be just shocking for somebody, A, to find out at nearly 60 years of age that the life you have lived has in some way been a lie that the people that who raised you, uh, your mother and your father, are not really your mother and your father. Oh, and by the way, can I just throw in for good measure, you know that date that you've been celebrating for almost the last 60 years, your birth date, that's actually not your birth date, you were born but maybe four days earlier than that. So you've been celebrating the wrong birthday as well. I mean, it was just uh, unbelievable. And of course, to hear names mentioned like the the son of the former president and uh, Taoiseach Eamon de Valera, he facilitated many of these illegal adoptions in the 1960s and in the uh, in the 1950s and in the 1960s because he was one of the country's leading gynaecologists at the time. So obviously he was dealing with both women who found themselves pregnant and not married and then he was dealing with women who were having fertility problems so he was able to say well I can take that baby and I can give that baby to you. But I mean even to go to the lens of what was revealed last night that some of the adoptive mothers were given checkups to go back to him 
postnatal checkups, even though they'd never been pregnant. That just seems so bizarre, but all it's playing along with the story of it. It's a wonder they weren't told to sort of put a cushion in under their their jumpers to make them look like they were pregnant. It just made absolutely no uh, sense at all. And it was one of the women last night, Mary Flanagan, and she was one of the ones whose illegal adoption had been facilitated by Professor Raymond uh, de Valera. And she was born in 1961. And just a couple of years before her 60th birthday in October of 2019, she gets contacted by Tusla to say not only herself, but also her sister Anne and her late brother Seamus that none of them were the biological children of the people that always believed had been their parents. And she was the one, I thought her statement, it really stood out to me and it made me think, yeah, I can understand how she's, um, you know, what she's saying. She said, I don't know where my roots are. She said, all she said I can think of is, it's like a tree falling over and there are no roots the roots are gone. That's how I feel. And of course, so many of them spoke about when they did finally have their meeting with uh, Tusla, not being given the information that they wanted, you know, being given a piece of paper and most of it is redacted or is, you know, tipexed across so you can't see the information. It's just, and that doesn't help. I mean, they're trying to come to terms with this dreadful news that's put their whole, turned their whole lives upside down. I mean, I can't even begin to imagine what it must be like to get a phone call or some correspondence from Tusla and particularly people in America who didn't even know who Tusla were. Then to be told, we're contacting you coming up to your 60th birthday, by the way, you were adopted. Just truly, truly shocking. And I think one of the end pieces, one of the end voiceovers saying, you know, what, what they were talking about, the, the reason that the most of the women and the people and men that were contacted on the programme last night, most of the, the reason why their adoptions came to light was because St. Patrick's Guild transferred its files over to Tusla in 2016. And um, in, when Tusla, in fairness to them, and they do get enough flack, but when they went through the files from St. Patrick's Guild, they realised they pinpointed 126 cases where children were incorrectly registered as the biological children of the adoptive parents. So then they went on to contact that 126 people that I suppose that they were able to contact. But one wonders how many more cases are actually out there and will there be some cases that will never, ever be identified. So it was good to see that our own uh, Taoiseach uh, saying that the scandal is truly shocking and that it will be dealt with in a caring way and that those affected will be helped and support because certainly everyone who faced a camera last night, the pain and the suffering that those people are going through, they certainly do need to be helped and they do need to be supported and I think more than anything they need the information that they so desperately require in order to try to put some kind of sense to it all and I think to try to put some closure for them. They just, they need the information that's there, it's on file and as one of the women said last night, it's our information, give it to us. Mary commenting on the Primetime Investigates programmes on the illegal adoption last night. She says, every time I hear about mother and baby homes, I'm saddened and I'm disgusted. But I think last night's programme was just the final straw for me, says Mary. I was saddened and really angry at how these children, now adults, were trafficked from their birth mothers onto parents who adopted them. And now they are left wondering who they really are. The state and the religious orders should hang their heads in shame. Professor Eamon de Valera acted in a shameful way. Sorry to go on, but I'm so angry. 
these people need answers and they need them now. Yeah, that's the point I felt watching the programme. I think if they got the answers, Mary, and the information is there, it's on file. It's not that anybody has to go looking for it, just to actually have it, has it, but because of GDPR, it can't be passed on. But I think if they get the answers, it might bring a little bit of healing and it might bring a little bit of closure for them. And the other thing I must compliment the researchers and the producers of the programme last night was the fact that not once during the whole programme did they use the term unmarried mothers, which I think is such an archaic and out of date statement. They instead used unmarried women. Unmarried mothers just sounds, always sort of sounds so alien to me that I I thought it was great. And it was when they said it first, I said, I wonder are they going to keep that up throughout the programme? And they did. Uh, So well done to them on uh, that. And then on COVID, John and Carrigaline says, Precious, no wonder people are going mad over the five kilometre lockdown. Look what's going on with the thousands of people returning into this country every week from holidays. Why aren't the Gardaí fining these people €500 Euro ahead at the airport when they land for breach of the 5k rule? If this was seen to be going on, the rest of us might cop on and make more of an effort and give up protesting, etc. What a shower of wasters we have running this country. We, we could pay for it all yet if the Brazilian strain arrives onto our shores says John in Carrigaline and while my jaw might have been dropping last night at the RT Investigates uh, programme I did it was one of the first pieces that I read this morning catching up on any of the stories breaking overnight was that the majority of passengers surveyed as they arrived into Dublin airport last week the majority listed returning from holiday as their reason for uh, travel. The survey of the passengers arriving into the airport, which, by the way, had increased by 10% last week. That was the week of the 22nd to the 28th of February. And I'm wondering, has that anything to do with midterm? I don't know if it it is or not, because that usually is a very popular week when we don't have a pandemic. Uh, Those midterm breaks you know, families use that as the opportunity to go away and teachers won't be working and the children are not at school. So people do holidays. So I don't know if that's anything to do with the the increase, but there was a 10% increase. Now, I know the numbers are way down on what they have been. They will be, say, compared to last year or, or, or any other year when we don't have a pandemic. But still to see an increase of 10% week on week, 11,067 people arrived into Ireland from the 22nd to the 28th of uh, February. Okay, the breakdown, 7,261 were Irish residents and 4,346 were non-residents arriving here. And when they were asked, when the people were asked as they were getting off the plane, where are you coming from? Where you know, where are you going to? Why are you here? And all of that. For the reason given for the Irish residents was they were returning from a holiday and a visit. That was the most popular reason of the 7,261 Irish residents getting off those planes. Now, it was followed by people who said I was overseas, I was travelling for work or business. Others were saying they were visiting a sick relative. Others went for medical reasons and uh, a smaller number again went for funerals. So the vast majority of them said they were travelling. They were coming back from their holidays. Doesn't it just seem absolutely uh, nuts? And I know the Foreign Affairs Minister, Simon uh, Coveney, was being pressed on the mandatory quarantining because if we had mandatory quarantine quarantine, all of those people getting off that plane, regardless of whether they were Irish 
are not Irish regardless of what they were coming in for except if it was essential work they would just be frog marched to a quarantine hotel and they'd have to stay there for two weeks and they'd have to pay about €2,000 for the pleasure of it. Uh, Simon Coveney yesterday said that President Michael D. Higgins is expected to sign the legislation very soon. And you see can I just say to Simon Coveney, a statement like that will really annoy people. What does very soon mean? As soon as that legislation was passed, why didn't somebody get in the car and go over to Michael D. Higgins? He just needs to sign a piece of paper. At the end of the day, Michael D. Higgins is probably because of his age is stuck in Oris on Uthron. The man isn't travelling around the country. He can't because of the five kilometre rule anyway. So he's going to be in Oris on Uthron. I would have put somebody into a car as soon as the legislation was ready. A civil servant saying, will you go and get that signed off? But all the Michael... That Simon Coveney said that Michael Higgins is expected to sign it uh, very uh, soon. And then he said the government will then move to ensure that the practical arrangements are in place to have hotel quarantine facilities managed by the state and the defence forces will be involved in that. Simon Coveney said the Department of Health has now tendered the running of hotels and transport systems to the private sector and the defence forces in their role as a civil authority will be essential to, they will be the conductor of the orchestra. That's nicely phrased. He said the defence forces will run a 24-7 management centre for McKee Barracks in Dublin to provide the supervisory role to ensure that the con contract operators are managing the system as agreed and he said they will deal with problems as they arrive and obviously support the HSE and those who operate the system but we still don't have a date as to when the quarantine hotels will be open and and that everybody arriving onto our shores will be sent to one of those uh, hotels. They just seem to be totally dragging their feet and then so I can see what John and Carrigaline is saying. You hear figures like that, you realise that these people have decided to go off on holidays they don't care, they don't care about the five kilometre rule, they don't care about the fact that we are living in a pandemic while the rest of us like John and Carrigaline and the rest of us we're doing our level best to abide by all of the rules and regulations it is beyond frustrating 1850 John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group Want great advice? You know who to talk to CMIG.ie Yesterday many listeners were annoyed and disappointed to hear that Gardaí in Limerick had arrested three and issued 30 on the spot fines following reports of hundreds of students holding a street party in the Castle Troy area of Limerick City a group of Cork residents know how disruptive it can be to live near student accommodation and the Magazine Road and Surrounding Areas Residents Association are also now living in fear of another summer of COVID house parties. Their chairperson Catherine Clancy joins me. Good morning to you Catherine. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're welcome. And actually, just an update, because I put that script together yesterday afternoon. There's an update on the number that were arrested in Limerick. That's gone to five and the number of on-the-spot fines has gone to 50. So the Gardaí are tracking down more people that were at that event, that uh, street party in Limerick. Uh, but, Councillor, firstly, what was your reaction to what unfolded this week in Limerick? Well, I suppose I just felt so sorry for the residents that were living there. And, uh, you know, um, we had a summer like that last summer um, where we had, you know, 50 or 60 young people attending house parties. But I would have to say since October, uh, Patricia, you know, we're back to our normal students and, you know, we're all living very happily together. There might be an odd party 
and you know the, we had our residence meeting last Monday night and we had our community guard and Sergeant Mick O'Connell present and also um, our public representatives and um, representatives from UCC and MTU and what we're really concerned about in the last two weeks we've had landlords personally contacting uh, the residence association because we have good relationships built up you know there's a lot of really good landlords around here but there are always those irresponsible ones and those uh, responsible landlords were contacting us to say that they never had such a demand for summer lets and very very young people looking for summer lets and you know that one landlord told us that she's having up to 10 to 12 phone calls a day and then we had residents who actually had 17, 18, 19 year olds knocking on their doors knowing if there was any houses to be rented around for the summer so you know that really alarmed us and what we're saying really like first of all these are very young people they are not in need of housing they, you know, they will be leaving their homes to come here and being supported by their parents to come here, which really is frightening. And what we're saying is that, like, landlords who knowingly, landlords who actually know that they're actually renting these houses out to young people and knowing that they're not here for essential services, they're not here because they need housing, they're only here to party, that these landlords have to be held responsible for what they could uh, put this community through for the summer and they also you know risking the uh, another spike in the COVID and risking the spread of uh, the uh, COVID in our area when Would you, you, know, would you go so down. far as to say they should be prosecuted? If absolutely yeah. absolutely we've got, we feel very strongly about that you know you have I suppose unfortunately we've had some students you know, um, prosecution with students prosecuted in uh, Limerick, you know, in the last two days. And they, they don't represent all students, but they represent a cohort of students who actually are ignoring all the COVID uh, regulations and putting us all at risk. But the people who actually rent out these houses and facilitate, facilitate the houses, like for us, that'll be obviously for summer parties. Absolutely, we believe that they should be prosecuted, and we're calling on the government. And we've written to um, our local TDs, and we've con- and we've we've been in contact with UCC. We've been in contact with Angarda Shiakona to say that we, as residents, can't go through this this summer again, and that the landlords that facilitate and knowingly rent out these houses of house parties, they're you know they are risking the prolonging of the epidemic, the pandemic, and also risking the health, well-being, and. Uh, of, of us as residents and also these houses um, a lot of them Patricia you know the average house let will probably be six to eight people they're called houses of multiple occupancy they're the particular house we're talking about where you'll have people who aren't from the same family all different families coming into one house um, one bathroom in, and on average in these houses sharing those uh, facilities uh, not fit for purpose in the best of times but definitely not fit for purpose during the pandemic and normally, yeah, leaving last summer out of it, normally in the summer months, are those houses just empty? A lot of houses will be empty in the summertime, I suppose. These young people that we're talking particularly would be the ones that would went on J1s, you know what I mean, to America or did different things for the summer. But um, these houses, a lot of the landlords would take the summertime to, you know, do up their houses yeah. or to upgrade the houses or to get them ready again because, you know, they're fully occupied again from um, the end of September onwards. Like so, And we had landlords doing that last year, but there were particular landlords. And I would have to say this, which seems often, Patricia, some of these houses weren't even cleaned between lettings. I mean, wow. and yet par- I can't get my head around the parents then. I think it's okay to drop them off. Yeah, you see, I, you see, I remember talking to you last summer and that was one, yeah. of, the, one of the points that really kind of I, made me stand up and take notice. And parents from the county or maybe outside of the county, yeah. 
driving their Johnnies and Marys up to Cork City and with yeah. their bags and have a, have a nice weekend now. And I mean, they must yeah. have known what they were getting up to. Well, I, I just, as I say, I find it strange, like, you know what I mean? So at this stage, no, because say, we're, we're doing fine now. We have a great relationship with uh, UCC and developing a relationship as well with MTU. And also we have fantastic community guards here. We're all working together. And from October, since last October, we're fine. You know, we're living together and in a mixed community of residents and uh, students. Um, I think last weekend there were some house parties, you know, near UCC. But the community guards dealt with those. Like, right, you know right. I mean? Yeah, so and you like, haven't had a major spike in cases. I mean, I was looking at some of yeah. the cases, uh, particularly around Galway. The university in Galway seems to be having problems and obviously uh, Limerick and the Castle Troy area. I mean, there was 61 COVID outbreaks linked to third level students last week and one social gathering. There was 34 confirmed cases from one social gathering. I mean, that's just nuts. And the Castle Troy area where the Limerick event happened on Tuesday night. I mean, I heard yesterday of local people who were travelling to Nina. They're going into Tipperary to do their shopping because they won't go into the local supermarkets in Castle Troy because they're so terrified because there's so much COVID in the community and elderly people. And that's not fair. It, we, we feel that as well and that was very much the case for us there, our local shop last year like you know what I mean which was an off licence as well um, none of the residents in the area would go into that shop you know um, or felt very uncomfortable if they had to you know that is it. That's it. That's a side issue of it, really. But you know what we at this stage really like. You know we're we're happy at the moment. We're you know we have a great community here, and we work very well. And as I say, like you know, a lot of our neighbours are students, and that's fine. But the cohort that the landlords are uh, intending to rent to for the summer are here for no other reason, Patricia, to only but to uh, party. And last year we had one particular house that had seventeen parties. 17 parties with an average of about 40 or 50 people there. And what we're calling as well is for the HSE, if there is a, an outbreak in a house, to go in and close that house down. They can do it under the 1947 Health Act and, Act. and you know, I think that needs to happen as well. Last year, we had, we as residents, had, and when everybody was enjoying their beautiful weather, on the June weekend, mm. we residents had to hold a vigil here for the whole weekend. I remember not that. Enjoying our home, I remember that. Enjoying our back yeah. gardens. Well, that, it's, um, it's, it's not fair. And, there is, there's, I, and I mentioned earlier when you were coming on the programme, I mean, there's, it is a residential area. You know, there, there are people living there, Catherine, raised their families, now in, in their... Yeah, and mm. they're, in, they're, reti- you know, they're into mm. their retirement and they deserve to have a peaceful retirement. Mm. And as well as that, because we're near the Bonskir Hospital and we're also near the HSE, we have a lot of uh, younger families who have bought into the area because they work with health services, are in that frontline services, and it's convenient to work, and people who work in UCC also, you know. So, like, and we're near town. It's a very, you know, it should be, a, a, and it is at the moment, like, back to where we are, like a wonderful place to live. But we cannot and we should not be expected. And as a community, like, we shouldn't have to be left to fight this on our own. And we're really now pleading with the government to bring in this legislation that where landlords knowingly let out these house parties, that there is some consequences, either a prosecution or a fine. OK, a couple of questions and comments in from listeners. Why, mm. One says, why should landlords be held responsible? Students are partying or adults at the end of the day. They're over the age of 18. You're going after the wrong people. 
No, I think when you run a property, if you run any business, um, Patricia, like, you know, there's a responsibility come. And that's a business. You're in the business of letting out uh, property. And you have a responsibility to manage, maintain and to, you know, on the upkeep and the standards within that uh, within that house. And, you know, as I said, the majority of landlords, they do their business right. But there are landlords who are irresponsible and really know exactly what they're doing in renting these party houses out. And some of the people that were here last year were definitely as young as 17 years of age. Yeah. Hi, uh, Patricia. Listening to that lady, Catherine, about the students, where are they getting the money from for all those parties? Well, do you reckon a lot of it's funded by Mammy and Daddy? So, well, uh, some of them were so young, they'd have to be funded by Mammy and Daddy, like, you know yeah, what I mean? They were yeah. dropped off here last year by Mammy and Daddy, and Mammy and Daddy bring them food parcels during the week, like, you know. And I think, like, a lot of them, Mammy and Daddy dropped them off and took off to their holiday homes for the, for, the, for the summer. I went back to their, like, as one community guard said, well, Catherine, I don't think that there was a young person left in Douglas. You know, they were all, when any house they went to, they, they came from very near, they came from the county. And as one landlord said, another landlord said, I think some of them that had those houses, they could have walked home. And I think a lot of landlords last year were probably caught unawares as well, in fairness. But like, there is no uh, grey area this year, you know. Everybody knows. Everybody Everybody knows. knows. All right. Okay. We'll stay in contact Mm -hmm. with you, uh, Catherine, and we do hope and wish you a peaceful summer this year. And thanks a million for joining us. Thanks, thanks. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is, thank you. you. Catherine Clancy of the Magazine Road and Surrounding Areas Residents Association, who look forward to a hot, long, but a peaceful summer this year. And one person wants to point out just on what Catherine is talking about young people leaving their homes to rent the house for three months being supported by parents. I have often looked to stay in some of these student accommodation during the summer months and that's due to only being able to get a nine month lease. I work in Cork. I am an essential worker in the city which is why I need to stay in those houses during the summer months. Please don't label all people and I think Catherine wouldn't be labelling you and certainly would be welcoming somebody like your good self who's coming up to rent a property, going to work every day and you're coming home in the evening time and you're going to bed and you're not having a very loud house party. So she says there's been many students up there since the colleges, limited amount of colleges went back in September and everybody's living very peacefully. It was just what happened last summer and the reason that they're flagging it up now, they're fearful that the same thing will happen again. 1850-333-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Taoiseach Michal Martin has spoken to British Prime Minister Boris Johnson on the proposal for a joint bid between Ireland and the United Kingdom to host the FIFA World Cup in 2030. To find out what this would mean for football in this country, I'm joined by our soccer correspondent, uh, Trevor Welch. Good morning to you, Trevor. Morning, Trish. And you're welcome to the programme. Did this proposal come as a surprise or has it been spoken about before? Yeah, it has been mentioned uh, before. Ireland were, I suppose, in the frame as well for for the Euros. And, um, you know, obviously, uh, this year, there'll be a few games uh, all going well with COVID played in in Dublin at the Aviva for the European Championships. I think uh, around four matches in total. Um, I think the big one uh, really would be Poland-Sweden in in Dublin this year. And that's probably the top game. There might be one last 16 game as well. But, um, you know... Obviously, we've we've had nothing in this country of that size. I mean, the World Cup is the is the biggest sporting event out there. I think the um, the 2018 final in Russia had an audience of 1.1 billion. But uh, you know, I think every 
host country is awarded 110 million euros to stage it. So financially, and what it would mean for the economy would be absolutely massive. But I'd be cautiously optimistic, I suppose, is the best way to put it, Trish. I mean, it's nine years down the road. Uh, 2030, I think bids must be in in the next uh, two years, and then a decision probably made four years before it in 2026. And it's a very long process, isn't it, from from mooting the idea of we'll hold it to actually even finding out if we're going to get it? Yeah, I mean, there'll be a lot of competition, obviously. Uh, Guitar holds the the next World Cup uh, next year, and you look at who held it previously to see who would be in the frame, 2018 Russia, 2014 Brazil. Um, So, you know, you we're hearing recently that China could be in, in the in the loop and they could be a big player yet. And then you have um, South American countries are going to bid for it. Uh, you have Paraguay and Uruguay. And uh, interestingly, the, the first ever World Cup, Trish, was in um, 1930, held in Uruguay. And uh, this would be 100 years on, 2030. So Uruguay, I feel they'd be well-placed to hold it 100 years on. But you look at, uh, as you mentioned, the, the United Kingdom and Ireland, England haven't staged the World Cup since they won it in 1966. So, you know, they always felt that they, they should be in line to get it, England. You'd have obviously Scotland with them, Wales, Northern Ireland and Ireland. But you look at the stadiums here in Ireland, we, we've only one real soccer stadium purposely built, all-seater, which would be the Viva, obviously. But there has been soccer matches played in Crow Park, international matches. And we've had a soccer match in Parky Queen, of course, with the Lee yeah, Miller yeah. Uh, tribute game a couple of years back. But apparently the GA haven't been notified yet. That I was reading that on the front page of the Irish Examiner yesterday and then the, the GA said they haven't been approached about availability of any of their stadiums as uh, of yet. Yeah, that's, um, you know, obviously like we can't hold um, a, a tournament of that stature without um, GA grounds. It, it's it's obvious. Um, I mean, Crow Park well, holds 80,000. Obviously, it needs to be all-seater. The other ones that come to mind obviously would be Parky Cueve and I'm hearing as well that uh, there's been kind of uh, um, motions for Thurles to be included, Semple Stadium, which is a 45,000 uh, capacity stadium. But again, you're looking at all-seater uh, stadiums, which would, um, I, suppose, I presume, they'd have to put in temporary seating, Trish, if, if they were going to be used, the likes of Parky Cueve and the likes of Semple Stadium and, and Crow Park. But that would be possible to do, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, done, it's been done before, you know. And when when we talk about the Ireland and the UK, do I take it that all the five football associations, Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland, England, Scotland, and Wales, everyone is involved? Is it? Yeah, everyone be involved. You just wonder how many games that actually Ireland would get from it. Like, would it be four matches? Would it be six matches? Apparently, by the time it comes around, Trish, as well, it'll be an extended competition, so there'll be more nations in it. That's what I'm hearing as well. And um, you know, that'd be interesting. We probably get more games then. You know, if it was uh, divided up between the um, the five nations as such, but uh, it'd be absolutely huge for soccer in this country. When you think of you know the FAI, obviously in a lot of debt, Trish as well, thirty million thereabouts in debt. So you know, um, it would be it would be massive uh, for the for the FAI as well. You know. And they've had a run of bad news stories, so they possibly could do it. Somebody's pointing out if the if it wa- if the GA grounds were to be uh, used, would there not be a clash with GAA and matches because the World Cup is normally held? It would be June and July, wouldn't it? If it was to go yeah. ahead, it would be summer, yeah. And um, I, I presume that there wouldn't be too matches, too many matches for part. What would you be looking at? You might be looking at two, maybe. Um, Obviously, in, in the north, you have only one really um, established football ground as well, Windsor Park. Um, so, unfortunately, we don't, we don't have too many soccer grounds in the whole island of Ireland. Um, 
But I, I would think Crow Park, if Parky Cree was in the frame, only a couple of matches, I'd say. Um, you know, the, the good thing about it as well, um, if, if it does go to, um, you know, uh, the UK and Ireland, uh, we'd be automatically qualified. Treasure should be great. The Five Nations <laughs> would qualify automatically. We, we, we could do with that. William says, would Tolman's Park in Limerick be considered? No, I don't think so. No. Don't no. Think that would be in the frame. Um, I, I, I would say that, you know, the um, the three grounds, uh, Parky Creef, Crow Park and the Aviv, obviously, uh, would, be, would be the three. Um, uh, maybe Semple Stadium could enter the frame. 45,000, um, maybe. But uh, I think, you know, three stadiums would probably uh, be enough to stage it for more part of it in Ireland, you know. And then you would have probably a similar number in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. Yeah, I think I think just you know, on Northern Ireland's point of view, what have they got? They've won the park and um, you know Raven Hill possibility, um, Ulster's rugby ground, but uh, England and Scotland obviously will be will be well equipped to hold it. And you uh, you have um, in Wales obviously you have the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff, but uh, England you know have staged big tournaments themselves. Obviously in the past with the European Championships in in '92 uh, and the World Cup itself in '66. You know, they'd be well equipped. But, you know, for us to get a part of it, a piece of the pie as such, would be absolutely massive uh, for, for soccer in this country. Obviously, I suppose soccer is the biggest participated sport in the country. When you look at, you know, the Dublin Schoolboys League, for example, massive numbers, and here in Cork as well. Um, so, you know, it'd be absolutely massive for the game. I think, you know, we always hang on to the, the Jack Charlton years, Trish, Ole Ole in 1990 and the World Cup in 94. But this would be another shot in the arm if, if we were to hold a World Cup in nine thirty in nine or twenty thirty. Sorry, it would be um, amazing. It it would be amazing. So a bid, there'll be a lot of money spent on the bid. Obviously, between now and when do, when did you say in the next four years the bid has to be in? Did you say uh, two? The, the bid has to be in probably uh, for in about two years. Two imagine. years, okay. Yeah. All right, okay. And then they'll probably announce it four years ahead. I think the twenty twenty six World Cup is in Canada, Mexico, and USA. Joint bid there, and it'll be kind of uh, announced then around that time. Okay, so jo- so joint bids have been popular in the past. They they have been successful. Okay, yeah. we will watch this space, as they say, and I can already anticipate the excitement in your voice at the thought of it. <laughs> yeah, I'll be massive. Okay, all right. Listen, a pleasure as always to talk to you, Trevor. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is our soccer correspondent, uh, Trevor Welch. And speaking of Trevor Welch, you can join him on c103.ie this Saturday for the Premier League Live exclusively online. It's powered by Talk Sports. This Saturday, it's Burnley versus Arsenal. That's at 12.30. Sheffield United versus Southampton at 3. Aston Villa versus Wolves. That's at 5.30. And then Brighton take on Leicester. That's at 8 o'clock on Saturday night. That's the Premier League live online with Now TV stream live Premier League action with a Now TV Sky Sports or Sports Extra Pass. Listen every Saturday on the C103 app or go to c103.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. I was speaking with Catherine Clancy, uh, chairperson of the residents of the magazine Road and surrounding uh, areas. They all live close to University uh, College Cork and she said they're absolutely terrified of a repeat of last summer and the lockdown house parties as we were calling them last summer. And a couple of listeners were saying, where were these young people getting their money from? If they're students at the end of the day, they're not out working. Where are they getting their money from? And Catherine was saying, in some cases, it's the bank of mom and dad who's uh, funding some of the 
parents are obviously well healed and they're able to fund their young people to go and have these lockdown parties. But somebody else is pointing out by WhatsApp that a lot of those students have part time jobs when COVID hit last March and that some, not all of them, but some of them are will still be getting the COVID payments and some of those COVID payments could be up to €350. And only yesterday we were talking about the availability of cheap alcohol. So if you are getting €350 and you don't have all of the other bills to pay out at the end of every week, you can get a lot of cheap booze for €350. John is living in the College Road and he's contacted the programme. Good morning to you, John. Hello, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, and you're welcome. You're you're on the College Road, so are you College li- Road, Connacht Avenue area? Okay, so are you terrified of that? That you're going to have a repeat of last summer? Oh yeah, yeah. Asher, look, we have problems here for the last twenty years since the numbers of people attending the university increased, and more and more houses have been let out. Um. You know, last year, we I had people alongside me who eventually moved out, but one of them was from far away Bishopstown. And the only reason him and his mates were here were, was the party, you know. And, and they couldn't uh, have that kind of a party in their own house in Bishopstown? Oh, you see, they couldn't go out far into Australia or America, so just... Uh, their parents are. Oh, we will go up there and out to College Road, Connect Avenue. There's plenty of other rented houses, and we'll meet our friends and we'll uh, we'll party night time and day time. Uh, there's there's a field opposite me, a park, and it was full there for months last year. With mostly students drinking away there when they got up at two or, two or three in the afternoon, and they'd be there till eleven o'clock at night. And the guards would have to move them on then and they go back to the houses, you know. So the uh, scenes that that's you sound like you're describing exactly what happened in Limerick on Tuesday night of the part of the, the street parties. They were on a green area. So you're saying that's exactly what you, you lived with last year in your area for the whole of the summer? Not for the whole of the summer, but for, for good parts. Um, I mean... We're dealing with landlords there. Some of them will talk to you, others won't. Um, I, you know, a, a number of years ago there, I, I'm not going to name the guy, obviously. I had to take a guy quite near to me. He's a professional to the PRTB twice. And uh, he tried every stunt under the book, obviously, to have the thing quashed. Like, in the end, he ended up being fined on two occasions. Was and that was o- that was over house parties in his property. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And how bad do the parties... And you're living right next door, is it? Uh, yeah, yeah. So how how bad does the party get? I mean, how how does it affect your life, your your day to day life? Your your life. You're getting up in the morning and you're worrying what the night is going to bring. You know, so you're stressed. Sleepless nights can't be good for one's mental well being. You know. And, uh, you know, you're living with that, you know, n- not every day, but so so many days of the week. Uh, sure, I, I, I've noticed now over the last few days, like, different individuals moving into properties near me. There's been nothing yet, but why are they moving in here at this time of the year for? You know, the government 
gave some of these guys a 380 pandemic payment last year, they might have been earning maybe whatever, their one or two days a week, maybe 100 or 200 euros. Sure, you know, at the height of insanity, what were they going to do? Only drink, you know? Uh, we There's one particular off-license not too far from me, like, and they have opened their window... Uh, you know, respect locals, drink responsibly. You know, that, that is total rubbish. Like, anyone that goes into an off-licence has gone in for one thing, to buy drink and to drink it. They're not worried about upsetting locals or anyone else, like, you know. And have you tried to speak to some of the young people to say, lads, you know, calm it down a little bit. We are living in a pandemic. I'm trying to get a decent night's sleep. Did you, you get it? The attitude, unfortunately, I don't know where it comes from, but the attitude in always has been, this is a student area, we'll do what we want. You know, but the sad thing about it is, if it was inflicted on their parents and grandparents, they wouldn't be too happy about it. They'd have, a very, they'd have a very different view. Oh, you yeah. have, I'm seeing here on the screen, you were telling John Paul, you, you're worried about Rag Week. Rag Week is never going ahead this week, oh, this year, is yes, it? it is, in whatever format is going ahead in April, because I made inquiries a few weeks ago, and I says, what, what next? What next? I mean, uh, Patrick's Day is cancelled, Jazz Weekend is cancelled, yes, these individuals above an UCC, the Students' Union, are allowed to hold uh, a rag week. Rag week in normal times is, is, is savage. But to, to hold one in the middle of a pandemic, basically they're giving the two fingers to residents around the place. OK, and I'm just there, seeing on, a the, number, on there's the... There's a number of people have, have have had to sell up and move out of this area. I've often had to go out to some other house and spend a night or two. And that's not right, you know. It's not right for me or for anyone else. You know? UCC Students' Union Facebook post say this year, RAG Week, which is Rise and Give Week, uh, will look a little different. We've made the decision to move RAG from its usual slot in February to the, to the 19th through to the 22nd of April. However, the fundraising starts now and this year and they talk about their chosen charities and they say now more than ever it's absolutely vital that we support these uh, in need, give a little help a lot and they're giving their chosen charities, Sunshine Fund, CUH Charity and the Cork Simon Community, all great uh, charities. They now, they, they, they will say that, oh, all of our events will be online? Maybe they will. Look, it's great collecting money, but all, all rag week or freshers week is about to the glorified piss-up, bringing widespread anti-social behaviour into an area. It's well past its settle-by date. Let them collect money without... They don't, they don't have to piss up left, right and centre. They don't know? have to have the partying. OK, and obviously I can understand if you can't get a good night's sleep, it just must be soul-destroying and I can understand how it would be affecting your mental health if you're constantly living in fear of what's tonight going to be, going to be like, is yeah. it going to be another party today? But, but you add to that, John, we're living in the middle of a pandemic. We have a strain of the virus, this UK strain, which is much more contagious than the original yeah. strain. Are residents also in fear of picking up COVID? Well, personally, personally, I wouldn't. But I mean, there's no one immune uh, immune to that. Like, but 
is just the lawlessness up around here. I know it's probably in other areas as well. And, you know, when, when I hear the Gardaí, and I'm not knocking the Gardaí, you know, engage, encourage, that's a load of nonsense. We might as well be talking to the wall, you know? We have an army in this country, and there'll be, be a lot of cribbing that they have nothing to do. Why not bring them into the area and help the Gardaí out? You know? When I was talking with Catherine, it was the figures that have come out. Now, they're not from Cork, thankfully, and, and hopefully they won't. We won't get these uh, figures which are directly linked to third level uh, students. You know, they were talking about one outbreak in Galway where 34 confirmed cases from one social gathering. Now, I don't know how many people were in the house for the social gathering, but to think 34 people were confirmed positive and then they all went on to meet up with others and you yes. know, the, the knock-on of that, it's just... Yeah, yeah and over the 10 weeks from mid-December, there's been 83 outbreaks associated with third-level uh, students and very few of them are on campus. So what we're talking about, it's, it's gatherings, it's social gatherings, either in a house party oh, or yeah, a street party or, nearby, no or what, 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 yeah. whatever it is. All right, OK. Um, but it, I, I think it's good, though, that you... Um, Catherine and the other residents highlighting it is good because maybe by highlighting it people will listen and maybe it won't get as bad. Hopefully not but uh, I, I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be too positive now to be quite honest with you. OK, yeah. just stay there because Sinead wants to, to join in on this conversation because Sinead is one of the people who, good morning to you Sinead. Morning. You don't want all young people to be labelled the same way. You do actually do summer rents in this area. Yeah, so I'm a student in social care. Um, I'm in my final year, but like, uh, I, I work in home care. And like, most of the, we'll say the, uh, what do they call the leases, are nine months. So I get a nine month lease and then for the other three months I rent wherever available, to be honest but not many places will rent to me because I am a student and that label is attached to me. Like, Yeah, so you're getting tired with the same brush even though you need the property in order to continue with your work and your studies. Exactly, yeah. But are you frustrated when you see like what happened in Limerick on Tuesday night? Yeah, sure. I was on Twitter that night and like many students were frustrated. They were like obviously giving out they were like everyone's going to be brushed with the same thing like now and then we're all sitting inside in our rooms doing our work away and they've given us this name yeah it is unfair it is it is unfair I'd love to go out I'd love to be able to go out have a good time like but obviously we can't (laughs) so it's yeah so it's a a minority but the minority are, are ruining it for the majority All right, Sinead, uh, thank you for that and uh, stay safe and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. And and John, but that's the way it is with all of society, isn't it? It's the small number, we'll ruin it for everybody else, but of course it's the small number that will continue to allow for the spread of COVID in this country. Well, as regards small number, we always hear that there's a lot more than a small number, unfortunately. You know, I, I don't don't believe that there's a small number. There's a hell of a lot of them. Not all of them, but yeah, a hell of a yeah. lot of them. You know, the the crib a few years ago was if they if they got into trouble that they wouldn't be able to go to Australia, that their visas would be cancelled. 
you know, all this, there's all excuses, like, and people are sick to the back teeth. My family are here since the 50s. Uh, well, most of them are passed on now, like, but, uh, you know, this was once a lovely area, but it's slow, slowly been destroyed and eroded, and a lot of it's down to rented property and a, a good proportion of the student population. Yes, there are other gazebos around the place as well. But, uh, that's the reality. Okay. Uh, All right. Okay. Listen, John, thank you for that. Yeah. Thanks thank for sharing you your, your story uh, with us. You can, it's it's really difficult. It's it's just so difficult to have lived in an area for that long. All of his family, you know, an area that he loves and to see it being destroyed uh, because of the reputation of uh, students. 1850 Can I just say when I mentioned the figures earlier of the numbers of people returning who flew into Dublin Airport last week and the vast majority of the people that were surveyed when they were asked, you know, what was the reason for your trip? The vast majority of them said they were away on holidays uh, for the week and that has just frustrated so many people. Sean in Crosshaven said, totally unfair, we're all staying within our 5k, seeing no one and watching the news last night and those figures that were being reported of people coming into the country, it's so wrong. I was fuming, said Sean in Crosshaven, watching that news report. Deirdre in Mallow said, I have not seen friends or family. I've basically stayed in Mallow since December. And when I saw flights arriving on the news and the figures they gave out, people coming back from holidays, I asked myself, why am I bothering? It seems the genuine Irish people are, the majority, are adhering to the rules uh, why the state allows so many to fly in and out. I was very upset last night to think I've spent three months staying within my 5k and yet others can fly in and out whenever they want. Dermot in Mitchellstown. Patricia, I heard the conversation on your programme last Monday where people were questioning the five kilometre rule and hoping that it would be lifted because they wanted a change of scenery and then to hear reports of those flying into the country they could be bringing COVID with them we will never bring our figures down if we continue to let this happen not good all of us staying within our 5k while others can come in and out could some of those be coming from red zone countries yeah we don't know and Kiron in Skib says mental health is a major issue at the moment and that's why many people feel the restrictions need to be looked at for that reason but when you see flights coming in and out and the statistics yesterday it is so unfair I thought that those people flying in was just a rumour but when the figures the hard figures were given last night it shows how wrong this is to the rest of us who are doing our best trying to abide by the rules and the regulations so a lot of people a lot of people so so frustrated with those figures on the number of people travelling into this country and that was just it was a snapshot it was just for one week it was last week and they'd gone up by 10% on the previous week. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Jobs. Plasters are required for the Mallow Cork area. Safe pass essential. Production and packaging operatives wanted for Mallow. While electricians and electrical mates are required for work in Ring of Skiddy. And Clonakilty Park Hotel, they're looking for a senior bar person. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. And I'll come back to some of your calls and comments uh, coming in in a moment. But I want to go to Dermot, who is in Kilgarvan. Uh, and he joined 
joins me on the programme this morning. Good morning to you, Dermot. Good morning, Patricia. Um, you're welcome. Now, you actually, you live in Kilgarvan, but you have a farm in the Borland Valley, which is near Bantry. That's right, yeah, okay. which, is the, which is the mountain road to, to Kilgarvan, down oh. the scenic Borland Valley. Beautiful area, beautiful neck of the woods. Now, tell me, uh, what, tell me what happened. Was this yesterday? It was yesterday evening, just, just around 7 o'clock. Unfortunately, I was up the track to spreading story, and I had the culprits caught coming to Kilga- the Kilgarvan area, wherever they were from. My neighbour, Con, Jim, Jim Cronin, was out feeding sheep, feeding some hoggets out on the side of, of the valley. And he see a car stopping along the Kerrycock Road and turned off the lights. The next thing he see a fire blazing. Went on, the car went on then. I measured this morning. I was over there feeding sheep. Went on then about a kilometre. And another onto my... That was a, the, the first fire was, on, was put on a, on a, a forest bay. A private forest belonged to a widow woman which lives in Barland, a great lady. And the second fire then was put on my place. And the third fire then was put on in another neighbour's place, which um, that that lady is, is bedridden and her son looks after her, but he was very vigilant to see the fire as well. But Con rang me in here and I got onto the fire brigade because Con was in a hurry for to go up the road with um, some equipment to... And he made off the fire in the forest, which he had an awful job in it, in fairness. And he put it out. But the fire brigade was already on their way up. And I was already on my way to Barland. And it was great to see them there. And I must compliment them about the great people they are. And, and uh, to, to, to out of all other for the, 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 those thugs, I call it nothing, only something like a drive-by shooting that you would see inside in some housing, housing estate or something like that. It's real thuggery, some Nothing else to do, like only just for fun. And have you any understanding as to why they would want to do that? I mean, just light a fire just, and then drive off. Just only just for fun. And this poor man that, that quenched the fire, I'll tell her the truth, he was shaking over on the side of the road. He was after falling into, into a hole when he was came down across the road from the forest bay. And, and he was all wet. And he was like, you would pull him out of a, of a bat, to be honest. And I sweat, got help. Yeah, yeah. And what, did you... what, what great what great neighbours are in places? I'll tell you the neighbours there in Barland the most most vigilant from everything passing. They are mighty people. They are indeed. They are indeed. Did you speak with anyone from the fire service? I did. They were outstanding young fellas. In fairness, outstanding. I complimented them from coming out, and I said I'd love to get onto some radio station about this and highlighted about it. Uh, uh, about the great men that they were in fairness they were young fellas every one of them was nicer than the next to be honest uh, was it Bantry was it where, where was the fire Bantry, Bantry. I presume Bantry fire service yeah because we two, I know two fire brigades full of, full of men and equipment and in fairness on God she kind of were out there as well I compliment them as well and they put in their lives at risk as well oh, doing so, that and, and, and maybe more people in the country looking for them people yeah so, yeah well yeah. I'll guarantee you there is a tomorrow. There, the, the wheel always turns. There's a tomorrow and there's an after that. People should think of them things. So this happened, you reckon, 7 o'clock yesterday? It just at just time at 7 o'clock. And unfortunately, I was up on the track down the road further in another farm spreading slurry. And I had to go home. But if, if I got the... If I got the phone call when I'd been inside my yard at home, all I had to do was jump into the jeep and I'd, I'd meet the culprits along the road. But I got so I got, I got so excited about it, I should have a neighbour rang for, for to go a neighbour halfway rang for to stop the people in the road who done it. Do you have any detail on the car? I haven't. Sure call no. no. There was some talk that a, a white van passed there. 
And wonder, did anybody, was anyone else in that area? Did anybody else uh, see that something? Was not, it's, a very quiet, it's a very quiet area and the people were very vigilant there, to be honest. And we saw, when was the last time we had very bad fires? Remember the ones down around by Gugambara? Well, that about two I'm years ago? To, that's what I'm coming to say, it. Only, thanks be to God, there was no wind there because this, was hit, this would hit for Gugambara. It would... It was, it was in a mountain that was all white, but on, and Gugan Barra is only, is only one kilometre away. And it could have still been lighting. Yeah, and we've, we've thankfully had this lovely dry spell of weather. We haven't even, the, you know, it's been That's dry it, yeah. the last few days. I, I just can't get my head around Weiss. Weiss. I, I knew I can, I this car this, caused, this. started three I, fires. I rang this uh, lady, Lisa Everett, for to be out on the side of the road, for to direct the fire brigade, for to go up, and she did fair play to And she was just trembling with fright herself and her son. And she was talking about her forest, that she had no other means of making money, that her forest did go up on fire. But she's, I, I think I think it was the height of vandalism with thuggery, to be yeah. honest. But they, it didn't do that much damage in the end. Well, it thanks it do no, to... It, it do not yeah. damage, thanks be to God, because uh, there, there was no blow of wind there, do you understand? But yeah, yeah. It, them things, they, they, they just should not be done in that No, case. no, no. No, they should, they should not has, be done. Has something like that, do you believe, ever happened before, Dermot? About two years ago, three years ago, sorry, about three years ago, that forest, they were setting fire as well. Just for, just for fun. Yeah, you see, I often wonder when you, when you hear those fires, you often stop and think, God, was it a, you know, was it a mistake? Did somebody... You see, there's, a, there's an awful lot as well. That, 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 that I'm not taking the farmers' part and things like that because there was many of the farmers set the fire, but there's a lot of the farmers that didn't set fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, they were, and there's a lot of things that happened last year that their land got burdened and they, were, they weren't paid for that. They didn't get their payments and all. That kind of a thing to no fault of their own, do you understand? It's complete van. That's complete vandalism, and and, ah, and it's, it's criminality. It's criminality. Possibly should be caught. It's criminality, to be honest. Yeah. At, at its very best. Yeah. Because yeah. because you don't do them things. Okay. Like, as I say, the wheel turns, and you'll be, there'll be a wheel turn tomorrow and the day after as well. But they'll be delighted. Maybe some of them, them people will be delighted when they'll want the fire brigade. I thought it was the nicest thing that was ever known when I went over to Top of Barland last night. Of the great people, when I see two five brigades below on the side of the road, I I I I, I must give it up to them that they're, they're outstanding people. They are. They're great people. And what's farming like in the Borland Valley at the moment? Irish farming. The, the Borland Valley is the grandest valley that was ever known. If I if I I've known as retiring yet, but I'm nearly old enough to retire. <laughs> super. I go walking the Borland Valley every day. It's a, lovely, it's a lovely scenic area, to be honest. Yeah, you're, you're blessed that it's in your 5K as well, so you're not... I, that's right, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, five, I, I'm 5, 10, 15, 20... Well, well you're OK because you're, you're allowed to travel there for work because that's your yeah. work, so you're, you are but allowed I to do... I always said if the Barland Valley was outside any city in Ireland or, or, or America, that, 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 that uh, it would be packed with people. It's beautiful, yeah. It's beautiful neck of the yeah. woods. Okay, listen, thank you for thank highlighting you, it. Thank you very much, No yeah, problem. I'm delighted to highlight this and, and to thank the emergency services and all that kind of a thing. They're doing a great job and they were out and they were fair play to them. It didn't take them long to come out either. And listen, stay safe and look after yourself.
Thanks. I must say the cock people are outstanding. <laughs> I'm a and cock in a couple of different places that they're grand people. And sure, we love the Kerry people as well. Just wouldn't be saying that now in a football pitch. I, right? I love to see cock winning the hurling. Do you? <laughs> well done. Well done. Thanks very much. Look after yourself. God bless. Bye God bye. bless. That is uh, Dermot in Kilgarvan. Just who the hell would think for a bit of fun that it's okay to drive around and just start at fires. I mean, the damage that it can cause, it can it can take lives as well, let's be honest. But we'll all... Do you remember those scenes? I always remember there was a picture... I'm sure it was on the Cork Examiner where because I love Google Barrow Church it's just it's one of those churches I just think is, is stunning and it's so iconic when it's photographed and do you remember there was a picture of the church of Google Barrow and all up behind it was just a blaze it was all on fire and you know people were I remember looking at them oh my god could could we lose Google Barrow in a fire and like all of those volunteers with the fire service you know putting their lives at risk going out to put out fires that somebody thought for a bit of a laugh was it a person on their own inside in the car were they egged on did they have somebody else with them and thought for a bit of fun sure we'll light a few fires and three fires lit now luckily as Dermot says there was people who spotted it and and, and reacted really really uh, quickly but if they didn't react quickly what kind of a situation would we be talking about today absolute and complete uh, lunacy um, and by the way to people when I I mentioned earlier about Pat McMahon and his charity walk and the text, the new text, the text number that he gave out for people who want to donate to the work that he's doing with the pregnant women in Varanasi in India. And I was telling people they could text mother to 50300 to donate for euro. We had a text come back to say that they tried to donate money the four euro to Pat's charity and that Vodafone said that he couldn't he wasn't able to do it well we've made contact with Pat and Pat said he's going to raise the issue with Vodafone via their, their service to work out what it is so if you are a Vodafone customer and you were trying to donate to Pat and we're having problems hang in there we're, we're trying to get onto Vodafone to see what is going on but thank you to the others that have donated because it's, it's, it's a great charity he does fantastic work and you know that all of the money that you donate every single red cent of it there's no admin cost all of it goes uh, to feed those women and their babies. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now Sergeant John Kelly from My Guy the Station joins us for this week's Guard the File. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. Thanks and, for having me. And we want to start with, you're putting out a, a Final appeal to for witnesses to the for the murder of um, that very sad case of Mary O'Keefe that happened on Thursday, the fourth of February, a month ago now. That's correct, uh, Patricia. A month has passed. Um, so we we're still anxious to uh, speak to a couple of people or anyone who was in the Drumdeer area on that date around the early afternoon of Thursday, the fourth of February. Now, we have spoken to many, many people. Um, now, but we are aware there are two people in speci- specifically that we'd still like to talk to. Um, a woman who was out walking with two small children in the vicinity of Drumdeer Woods um, that Thursday around lunchtime, and also the male driver of a grey or silver hatchback or Jeep-type uh, vehicle who was seen in the area around that time. Um, uh, ju- just uh, speak, make a final appeal, you know, those couple of people in specifically. Um, just, uh, I suppose, first of all, as regards to Dear Woods, if you're coming from Mallow, out the N73 towards Mitchellstown, you come to Skip.
begin a killer cross, you immediately turn uh, left towards Donrail at Griffin's Pub. You turn up that road, and it's um, the first turned in into the right into Skinnakilla Woods. Now, there's a loop um, going through the forestry, and it's well used by people out walking. Maybe the same same people walking that uh, road the whole whole time or you know people trying to get exercise now that we're in in the lockdown you know so if anything comes to mind um anybody who we haven't spoken to who was there on thursday the 4th of february last but especially as i said that lady who was uh we'd like to talk to, to, to yeah, because weather wise it was a nice day and it was cold but people were wrapped up and heading out for walks so uh, absolutely there were, there were people out out and about and you know it just you know you you may feel oh i didn't see anything but it's just the smallest little piece it's almost like putting a jigsaw together isn't it it is indeed and you know and it's just the fact of speaking to them yeah, you know, just okay. to speak to them. Um, so again, the Gardaí hearing from my O two five eight two one hundred, or indeed the Gardaí confidential line is one eight hundred triple six triple one. Just to um, give us a call. Please come forward. Okay. Yes, now forward. you've got some uh, burglaries that have happened. Uh, you've got some details for us. Yeah. No. Uh, I suppose the last I was talking to you, you know, I think we hadn't had a burglary for uh, eight or ten days prior to that. And now, in the last in the last week, I've seen we've had three burglaries. Um, uh, now, that's for the whole Cork North uh, area, you know, which is a huge uh, slice of ter- territory. Um, but in this particular case, the first one that I'll start with there occurred exactly one week ago, Thursday, around twelve o'clock, and um, a neighbour there at uh, Gary there in Mitchellstown came back and disturbed two males after breaking into a neighbour's house. Now, while one suspect was leaving the scene, he hit back at the neighbour's car, smashing the back window. The suspect then left in a silver saloon with a Monaghan Reg hidden towards the Limerick direction. Now, there was uh, quite an amount of damage done to the front door of the house, um, but uh, the first male there I describe as wearing a woolly hat, approximately six foot tall, wearing dark clothing and gloves. Uh, the second male, again six foot, wearing black clothes. So, just to refresh people, that was not Gary Mitchellstown, um, and it was a silver saloon with a man in rage, and it took off in the Limerick direction, and pr- probably seen as they were disturbed, probably at high speed. So, if you were coming in last Thursday and you spotted that car, you know, and you got any further rage or any further direction of travel, um, the Gary here at for my 0258200 would be interested in talking. And maybe in, anyone who was in that area on this day last week with dash cam footage, go back over your dash cam. It's amazing Absolutely. what you'd pick up in a dash cam. It's amazing what you would p- pick up in a dash cam. You know, some of the some of the dash cams, you know, um, the footage can be very, very good from them. And uh, you may be able to even determine drivers of cars or anything. Yeah. So anyone, uh, as, as you suggested, uh, with dash cam footage, absolutely. You know, and to go back and to go back over it, because indeed that car could have been in the area for uh, some time previous or indeed could have been in uh, other areas earlier that morning or, or later that afternoon. Okay. Um, second item there we have, and it's... Something that we've seen in the news too often recently, um, Tuesday, Wednesday of this week, so a couple of days ago, um, there at um, Summerhill in Mallow, there was a house. Uh, it may be that the back door was insecure, but um, somebody got into the kitchen of the house. There was a, a Staffordshire Terrier puppy in the in the kitchen in a in a small little uh, indoor kennel with with its mother, and uh, the pup was taken there oh. o- overnight. You know, so like. 
there's a, you know there's a young kid and um uh, i mean you know, very, very upset as a result of that. You know, but it's something that we're seeing happening and we'd appeal to anyone in the Mallow area, you know, um, if they have any information, you know, to ring the Guardian at, at, at Mallow. You but know, see, we, we have a huge problem, John, in people buying these dogs. You need to know if you're, and people are paying huge sums of money. It's the one thing since lockdown, the increase in people getting dogs and lots of people want designer dogs and they want certain breeds and they're willing to pay big money for it. And unfortunately, the criminals now realise that there's money to be made in this trade. So you need to question when you're buying your dog and your puppy, where are you getting, the? where did the puppy come from? Exactly. And it's the law supply supply and demand, yeah. all right? And we see that the whole time. Um, if, if scrap metals, if one particular metal goes up in price, um, as, as you have at the moment with rhodium and palladium and uh, the drive for catalytic converters, yeah. and yeah. suddenly catalytic converters from hybrid vehicles are being stolen all around the country. Um, suddenly everyone wants a pop, so the price of pops has gone up, you know? And, and uh, we heard nationally uh, the elderly lady down around uh, Kilkenny that was targeted, uh, you, you know, for six, um, six corgis there you know yeah. but I mean it's happening it's happening all over the country and people one way of putting a stop to it you know as you're right will say is for people to query exactly where they are coming from yeah and you go to the house and you see the pup with its mother and you make 100% sure that this is not a stolen dog it's not Correct. a dog that came out of a puppy farm and then when you're absolutely convinced that everything is above board then you hand o- over your cash but you know buying from a small ad and then meeting somebody in a car park and a pup is handed over in a little box you know, it's, it, it has to stop yeah it has to yeah and you know and for people to remember remember, you know a pup is for life a dog is for life you know and uh, to be very conscious of, of, of where they're coming from and people buying inside in car parks uh, you know they're driving to trade yeah yeah. You know, and, and and for people have to ask themselves questions that um, there's somebody quite happily and they're paying over money for, you know, that little dog that was stolen or for other dogs that are stolen around the country, you know. Um, so finally there, Patricia, I'd just like to mention again, and it's something I suppose we've spoken about quite a lot lately, you know, is the rise in crime on the Internet. And in this particular case, again, you know, um, and I was firstly just to say to people, look, you know, you, you know, credit, uh, you know, loans can be got through your local credit union, through banks or whatever, you know. But unfortunately, people, um, if they start Googling for loans, then the thing will come up on Facebook or whatever, uh, ad, ad, adver- advertising loans. In this particular case, it would appear that a clone site came up. Right, it looked to be a provident loan site that had been cloned. Um, so the person applied uh, for a loan on the website. They, the injured party sent a total then of about three hundred and fifty euros off, right, as a supposed safety deposit in two separate instalments. The injured party was actually in contact with the suspect uh, on via WhatsApp, and uh, of course, once the money had been paid over, the entire phone went dead. You know, as regards to no further communication. So, please, would people stick to legitimate uh, uh, sources? Uh, you know, when they're when they're looking for loans, um, or else this is going to drive uh, again a, f- a further problem. Because we we do see the fraudsters. Uh, you know, they're they're at this the whole time, and it has definitely increased. Yeah, and I think what's particularly cruel about that type of crime, the criminals 
must know that if somebody is going online to borrow money, it's somebody who's finding themselves in financial difficulty at the moment. You've said it. So they can't afford to lose on top of trying to desperately get this money to pay for whatever it is they need the money for and then they're losing additional funds on top of it. It's just, it's a particularly nasty and cruel cruel crime and some, it, it some really of the money is. that they can be losing can be in well in the excess of the 350 I quoted there you know um, so for people to be very very aware of that okay. you know yes. and and all the all the credit unions now are engaging in microfinancing you know for um, people maybe who had maybe a poor credit history in yeah. the past you know to help them uh, to, to, to build up a credit rating so it's something that they should talk to uh, about. Yeah, know. and everybody li- lives as a credit union. No matter where you are, there's a credit union uh, near you for sure. All right, listen, Thank you very much, as Patricia. always, uh, John, a pleasure. Thank you for that you. and uh, thanks for joining us. That is Sergeant John Kelly based at Fomoy Garda Station for this week's uh, Garda File. We were talking about the bid, the possible bid for the FIFA World Cup final where Ireland is jumping in with the United Kingdom and they're going to put in a bid that we could possibly be part of of the winning host for the 2030 World Cup. And how wonderful, how wonderful that would be. Well, John says, Patricia, the last time the UK put in a bid to hold the World Cup, it cost them over 20 million euro. That was just, by the way, in the bid. And they came last in the lineup that time. The corruption is well known in the bidding process when it comes to the World Cup. Where, look where it's going next to the melting part of Qatar. I would prefer if the Football Association, the FAI in this country, got their own house in order and got real. This is a handy, good feel story for the FAI to be linked with at these troubled times for their own organisation. I love soccer, says John, and I'd be thrilled to see the World Cup here in 2030. But my view, it's a fantasy football dream. I'd be much happier to see our national team back in a quarter final of a World Cup tournament, no matter where it's going to be held, like we had in Big Jack's time. God rest him, says John. And I think a lot, a lot of people would agree with you, wouldn't that be, if you had a choice between hosting and a choice between guaranteed that the Irish team was going to make it to the quarter final, And the lift that that gave to this country back then was just incredible. But John, I reckoning it's a, a fantasy football dream. But you are right. The I remember, I'd forgotten about the last time the UK made the bid because I remember David Beckham was fronted it as well. I think Prince, Prince Harry or Prince William was involved with it and they threw everything bar the kitchen sink at it. And it does cost a lot of money. And the FAI, and probably then that will mean the government, we will have to throw in our tuppence halfpenny worth with that joint bid. So there will be a cost involved. And of course, you pay out all this money just putting your bid together with no guarantees that you're going to actually get it. So it's, it's money gone down the drain. So that would be, I would be with you on that, John. That certainly would be a concern for me. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. So I was really disappointed uh, to read in the papers today that there was a, a large number of people aged 85 and over who were let down yesterday when they thought that they were going along to their local GP to get their vaccine and then the GPs had to contact them because the GPs the at the GP surgery the vaccines failed to arrive or else when the vaccines did arrive they didn't get enough doses you know say that they were expecting to get 50 doses and when they opened the box there was only 30 there. 
and yet they had appointments gone out to 50 people and we know how excited people are when they get the word from their GP that they're that they have an appointment and they've been given a time and a date and the organisation that goes into it, particularly for some of the older, over 85 year olds, you know, family member having to collect them. And many of these have been shielding. They've been outside of their homes since last March. And then suddenly to either get to the GP practice and for the GPs, it's so unfair on the GPs and everybody working in the practices to say, sorry, we don't have a vaccine for you today. And it's Dr. Dennis McCauley of the Irish Medical Organisation. And now he said around 10 to 15 practices were left with no vaccines or else not enough vaccines. That was for yesterday and I can't find out and I don't know if any of those were here in the Cork area or not but he said there are a group of patients who are very vulnerable and were very keen and he said you simply don't want to disappoint them and unfortunately many of them were disappointed yesterday. He also said the target to have all of the over 85s vaccinated by the end of this week that unfortunately is not going to be met. There's around 1,373 patients in smaller GP practices who are now over the age of 85 will have to wait until next week. Now seemingly that was to do with problems of buddying up with other doctors. Some of the smaller practices you know might have had only maybe six or seven people over the age of 85 so the idea was that they would buddy up with an, a neighbouring GP and then they get their supply of vaccines together and there seems to have been uh, some issues with that, with that. But the Irish Medical Organisation are saying that the HSE's communication with GPs needs to be improved and seemingly last week doctors were given just 48 hours notice of delivery of their vaccine and seemingly this week it has even been less and a story that is just breaking this morning of a Connemara GP who said he had to drive around the area on Saturday night looking for needles and syringes so that he'd be able to vaccinate his patients on Sunday morning. It's a Dr Peter Sloan and he said he was shocked and surprised when other GPs in the area had received hundreds of doses of the Moderna vaccine while he hadn't been receiving any and he'd put in his order but you know he'd done everything according to plan submitted the order as instructed by the HSC and for some reason his practice wasn't getting any of the vaccines and yet all the GPs around him were getting them so he said then seemingly what happened was he got a phone call or some kind of a notification maybe it was an email from the HSC on Saturday evening he said it was about 5 o'clock oh he got a phone call to say his vaccines would be delivered at 8 o'clock on Saturday morning. So then he and his staff had to put a plan in place to try to vaccinate the patients but he said by 5.30 on Saturday evening they still hadn't received any of the syringes or the needles which you need in order to deliver the vaccine. So he had the vaccine but he didn't have the syringes or the needles. So he got into his car and he drove around Connemara, contacted as many GP practices and obviously hospitals and clinics as he could to save you any spare needles and syringes. He said by 9.30 on Saturday night he received an email saying there would be an emergency delivery on Saturday morning and that he would have enough vaccines to do 120 patients. He said the stress on him and his staff and the community was dreadful and I quote he said they would put me in an early grave and he said he had placed the orders for further vaccines for the remaining age cohorts and he's been told now he won't receive the further doses until the 15th of March but he makes the point this is not rocket science the HSC knew this was coming since April they should have been planning well ahead but God help the poor man and he then and his staff having to get on to the patients to say we have it we don't have it okay we're going to have it oh, and we need to try and get needles that's just 
it's not giving any confidence, is it, in the in the, the further rollout when we get to the stage where we have enough vaccines to roll out it really. So I don't know locally if anyone was due to get a vaccine and didn't get it or if there's any of our listeners who are over the age of 85 or if your family members over the age of 85, have you got an appointment yet? Have you Has your GP been on to you or on to your family uh, member? And by the way, and I know I mentioned this again yesterday, but I want to mention it again because we've had calls in about this. The GPs are also now finalising their list of housebound patients so that the HSE can bring the vaccine to them. So that certainly is a little bit of good news. And obviously at this stage, because so many families have already been contacted, asking them could they bring in their mother, their father, their granny, whatever it was, and because the person is housebound the family member has been able to say no sorry there's no way we can get he or she into the practice so the GPs at this stage know they already have their lists of housebound patients they're now liaising with the HSE and we heard yesterday that the HSE are now trying to put a plan in place to get the vaccines out to the housebound and it is looking like the ambulance service I think are going to be involved in it but it is slightly disappointing to hear that not everybody over the age of 80 and I had great hopes that everybody over the age of five was going to be done by this week but it looks like some are going to be left a little bit disappointed but hang in there it looks like you should be hearing from somebody next week as I say I don't know of those practices that were left down yesterday if any of them were in our area are uh, not Hi Patricia I don't know Professor Jerry Killeen that well but I've listened to him on several occasions he speaks on the topic of infectious diseases but I have to say the aggressive and con descending way that Regina Doherty spoke to him last night on COVID on the TV. Now, I didn't see the interview. I don't know what programme this was, but and he was speaking about the restrictions. I felt it was absolutely awful the way this man was spoken to. Who gave Regina Doherty a degree in infectious diseases? I'm allergic to the way sometimes she dictates anyway. The government haven't a clue. Some of them just have a brass neck and they're making any excuse in the book. I didn't see that particular interview, but it certainly upset uh, this uh, listener. And then on the staying on the virus, Patricia, I knew we were in trouble when Simon Coveney announced over 12, it is over 12 months ago now, about the new deadly d- disease that they were uncovering in China. And at the time, he told all Irish people they should come home from any of the affected areas. At that stage, this time last year, there was no talk about social distancing or isolating. I suppose we didn't know enough about it. What was the government thinking of telling people to come home? Surely many of them came home about the virus with them. Well, the the virus had to arrive on our shores somehow, either through somebody returning from an affected area, people getting out of the area, but of course more than likely the first cases that came into this country were from people who were away on holidays. Remember the skiing in Italy? That's where a lot of the cases certainly across Europe spread. It was somebody from China or groups of people from China went to Italy to do some skiing and then all the Europeans descended uh, on Italy to the ski resorts. Nobody knew that this virus was so contagious. We knew there was something going on in China and of course in, if you've ever been skiing, particularly the Apres ski, everybody is housed inside in bars and restaurants. Everybody's on top of each other. Hotbed for the spread of a virus like COVID-19. And then, of course, they got back on planes and brought it home. And that's 
And as they say now, the rest is history. When they go to write the history books, that will be the major starting point for COVID-19 in Europe uh, for sure. Uh, 1850-333-103. A lot of people are thinking of staycationing this year. Margaret said, did you hear about one guest house in Kerry that is charging three times the amount they charged last year? for the very same accommodation. This is greed. It's all down to uh, greed. They should be encouraging more staycations, says uh, Margaret. But let's wait and see what kind of a business they will do. I don't think if I had stayed in a guest house last year and I went to rebook into that guest house and realised it was three times the amount I paid for it last year. I know exactly what I'd be doing. I would not be booking my accommodation and I would be saying to the person why I wasn't booking my accommodation. So I really do hope that I expect prices will go up and I, the reason why I expect prices will go up is because all of those accommodations and hospitality has been closed for so long and there's going to be a cost with them reopening and in order for them to do business and to stay economically viable they will say that they will have to put up prices but there's no justification for anyone charging three times the amount they charged last year for the very same accommodation there'll be a slight increase because obviously there'll be Restrictions around COVID and rules and regulations that so they probably have to increase the prices slightly, but not, not three times. And anyone who does pay it is absolutely nuts. That's how you'll stop that kind of price gorging is by people refusing to stay. And if that person who owns that, and I don't know where this guest house is, I have no details other than what Margaret is telling me by text. And if enough people don't stay and suddenly that guest house isn't taking in any clients, they'll soon realise that they can't get away with charging three times what they charged uh, last year. Mavis says, a couple of weeks ago, Patricia, you were talking about delayed post. I was, I was, I think the last. I don't think we've had anything this week. Certainly up to last week, we were still getting texts in from people saying, guess what? My parcel arrived in Australia or my parcel arrived in New Zealand. And, and then we were hearing great stories last week, including I'd want to share myself of post to England. I posted it on a Wednesday and it arrived the following Saturday, a parcel. I was very impressed with that. And then someone else matched that and said that also on the same Wednesday, that I posted my parcel to Devon in England. Somebody had posted a parcel to America. That parcel arrived on Saturday morning as well. So that it has speeded up or certainly over what happened at Christmas. But Mavis says, my brother has just contacted me to say my Christmas card, which I posted on the 2nd of December, arrived yesterday on the 3rd of uh, March. As Mavis says, I don't think I'll send an Easter card this year, no. Do you know what you do? Contact your brother and tell him that the cross out happy Christmas the Christmas bit and put happy Easter and he can leave the card up it can be a celebration of Easter instead and then people still contacting us about the programme last night on the adoption some of your thoughts Sandy says now I didn't see this and I don't know if I can get it on the player or not but said at exactly the same time that the the investigation programme on RTE was running over on TG Cahar there was a similar programme highlighting Adoption. Evan Killeen, I don't know how you pronounce that, it's Asquelga. There was a programme on TG Cahar, Sandy says, equally shocking, as Evan was trying to trace her own journey and four months of missing details after she was born and the shock of discovering she was actually named Fiona to hide her name and her details. She spoke to mothers and children like herself in a battle to find their birth parents. Sandy's wondering why were both programmes on at the same time? Well, I don't know if RT and TG Cahar liaise as to what programmes 
are are running or not. But yeah, it doesn't make sense that you'd have two programmes on the very same topic because if, if people are interested in one, you assume they would be interested in the other as well. But maybe people who got up on TG Cahar, Sandy said it was running at the same time as the RT Investigates one was on last night. Hi, Patricia. Shocked by what came out about the devil eras last night. They had too much power in this country in the 60s. Last night's programme highlighted what they were capable of with his uncle Eamon Taoiseach at the time and then present at another time. They must have thought they were above the law. Well, I'll, I'll correct you. The Professor Eamon de Valera that they spoke about who was involved in the illegal adoptions last night wasn't President Eamon de Valera's nephew. He was President Eamon de Valera's son. He was the son of Eamon de Valera. So I think people were, it was, and it was the fact that it was the same name as well. And some of the pictures, he looked like him, didn't he? He, he had a, a look about him. He was a leading gynecologist in Dublin at the time. And he facilitated, yeah, many of those adoptions that we now know were absolutely uh, illegal. On people coming into this country, somebody says, Patricia, it's not just tourists coming in. You have many non-nationals as well. The government are leaving them in to work and they were leaving them in to work back in January. They're still leaving them in to work. I heard, and I'm trying to get, I heard this over the weekend on, on one of the national, on national radio stations, that there was 1,500 agricultural workers due in. Now, I don't know, is that for mushroom picking? I don't know what the agricultural workers, because we do know already we have a number of migrant workers in this country, particularly in the area of the meat plants. There's 60% of the people, and I'm I'm assuming they're mainly men, this is the working meat plants, but 60% of them are non-nationals. They're not Irish people and the majority of them are from Brazil. So we already have a lot of migrant uh, workers. So this uh, texture is right. The figures that I gave out for the number of passengers arriving into Dublin Airport last week, the total was 11,067 people arrived for the week, the 22nd through to the 28th of February. The majority of them, 7,261 were Irish residents and when they were asked, the majority of them said they were returning from holidays. But then the other group was 4,343 who were non-residents. I don't think any of them were tourists because why would tourists come to this country? You know, we don't we don't have any of the amenities open, so the facilities open, hotels and whatever to house tourists. So none of them are, are tourists. So there are people who are coming in here for essential work and there are migrant workers coming in to work in the agriculture uh, sector and obviously there are people coming to visit loved ones, families I, I suppose as well that have uh, non-nationals that are living here and they're coming over to visit their families so yes, they, they're not, they weren't all and I did state that at the time, they absolutely were not all uh, Irish people uh, Hi Patricia uh, the government should be planning for living with COVID. Each country should have an infectious, each county, my apologies, should have an infectious facility for all COVID-related patients. There are vacant hotels all over the country. Would they not be perfect to convert them into like mini COVID hospitals, giving people their own private room and their own bathroom? That would allow the non COVID treatment to continue without disruption uh, every time a wave returns and when COVID leaves us we are going to have a huge problem with the waiting lists and the amount of people who will need non-COVID treatment. It doesn't even bear thinking about how 
the hospitals are going to cope when COVID is, is actually gone and they already have been under a huge amount of pressure even though good news today that the figures are uh, falling. Morning Patricia, yesterday you spoke about the price of rising fuel prices, diesel and petrol. It did, a lot of people were commenting on that. Well look at the dollar, it's down against the euro and I know people were saying yesterday the price of a barrel of oil on the world market is also down but we go back again whenever we talk about fuel prices in this country, the amount of money that goes to the exchequer every time you buy a litre of petrol or diesel. 1850 333 103 lines open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme, here to assist vulnerable people with their daily needs through the COVID-19 pandemic. See corkcoco.ie. The Cork Educational Training Board are running a free online workshop. It's to support parents and guardians of three to five-year-olds. It's on tonight from 7pm to 8.30pm. The course will cover pre-reading, writing, building maths, social and fundamental movement skills, as well as tips on managing screen time and fun activities for the little ones. To register for the course, you can contact 086 8239094 and Ark House are hosting a free webinar on diet in cancer. It'll be held next Wednesday the 10th of March at 7 p.m. You log on to Ark House website for further details. And Anam Cara, which is a national organisation providing support, information and resources to bereaved parents, they are asking for your support by walking in your own St. Patrick's Day parade within your 5K, of course. Upload your photos to your Twitter, to their Twitter and Insta accounts and donate to the justgiving.com forward slash campaign forward slash 17th of March. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie By the way, that adoption programme that was on TG Cahar at the same time that the RT Investigates adoption programme was on that Sandy told us about is available on the TG Cahar player if people want to take time out to watch it. Now certainly the bulk of calls to the programme and texts are to do with the story that broke on the news last night that the majority of passengers surveyed as they arrived into Dublin Airport last week uh, listed returning from holiday as their reason for travel. Sinn Féin TD for Cork North Central, Thomas Gould uh, also appears to be quite annoyed by this particular news story and uh, Thomas joins me. Uh, Good morning to you Thomas. Good afternoon Patricia. Uh, You're welcome to the programme. Were you taken back to hear that the top excuse for travel was people had gone away on a holiday last week? No, I'm not. I'm not, because we've seen this for the last 12 months. Um, last May, Nesset asked the government to introduce mandatory quarantine for people travelling into the country. Here we are now in March, uh, 10 months later, and still no mandatory quarantine. Now, it looks like it's coming in, but it's like closing the, the, the gate after the horse is done. Like, we've known, we, we see it over. We see it last year with people who were turning from Cheltenham, and from um, transition year holidays and other holidays. So we knew what happened last year. We allowed it to happen throughout the whole year, and especially at Christmas, we can see what happened with the pandemic and the explosion of cases. We've been calling on the government. We've been pleading with the government. And even last week, I spoke in the dial about this, about how we know that over 50% of the people travelling in every day are coming back from holidays. It's an absolute disgrace. When people are at home quarantining for 12 months, people who are at risk, they can't meet their family, they can't meet their friends, they can't go out. Um, 
I've been contacted by people and the anger, they're so obsessed that the government hasn't stopped these people. Like the But are those people, people very selfish? Unbelievable that they would risk putting themselves and their family and the state because once they get off that plane, we know that even if they have pre-departure tests, that 40% of them still could develop the, um, the COVID-19 uh, virus. And we know that this is the scientific evidence. They shouldn't be allowed in without quarantine, and we need to be really tough. And it's just the government's attitude. I, I don't think they understand how people are suffering and how people are really upset by what... Well, I think this particular story, judging by the calls we've had and the texts we've had to the programme this morning, Thomas, has just frustrated so many people because I think this whole 5K and people and the majority of us are absolutely sticking within our 5K. None of us like to have to stick within 5K from home, but we're doing it. And it's like a smack in the face to hear that over 7,000 people get off a plane in Dublin airport last week and when they're asked, where are you coming from? The majority say, oh, just back from the holidays. That's just... Oh, Patricia, you can actually go online, you know, and book a holiday to the Canary Islands or anywhere in Europe. Like, to be honest, if a person has to go up to the Canaries, blessings of God, no. But don't be expecting to come back here without quarantining. Yeah, two, week, two weeks in a hotel and only a few weeks ago we had somebody contacted us to say their neighbour was just back boasting that they were back from uh, the Canary Islands and she said to them are you going to self-isolate oh yeah yeah we will but we're going to the supermarket first we have some shopping to do and they were in and out they had no intentions of and self-isolating and somebody checking up by sending a text message to say you're at your address she said, of course everyone's going to say oh yeah yeah I'm here there's, you know there's no, there's no proper checks I've been contacted by people and they want People, like you were talking about the rollout of the vaccine earlier on for all the, the over the 85s and how it's going to be rolled out. People have been at home for 12 months now and they're waiting for that. That's their only life at the end of the tunnel. But while they're suffering and they're hearing about this, people, like people are suffering at home. And I don't think the government really understands how ordinary people are struggling at the moment to try to live through COVID-19. And then when they hear about these people who are alone to themselves, doing what they want, and they're saying, what is the government doing? Either to punish them by quarantining them and by protecting people. Because three people contacted me alone this morning just in relation to this issue, because I'm actually in the convention centre now. Uh, I'm going in now if, if I get a chance to speak in the dial because our time is limited and it goes on a rota. I'm going to be asking the tarnister, what is he doing? Because it, it, this is crazy stuff. OK, and, and I'll let you go. But when, when you go in, the Minister for Foreign Affairs, Simon Coveney, yesterday said that the legislation on mandatory quarantine is expected to be signed by President Michael D. Higgins very soon. Could you find out what when very soon is? And what is the delay with Michael D. Higgins signing off on it? doesn't make but any he, sense. But the other thing, Patricia, there's only 33 countries on this. What we in Sinn Féin have called for is that everyone travelling from the country into this country, no matter where you're from, must quarantine. That's t- top three. It was 20 countries last week, it's 33 countries this week. What we are saying is, no matter where you travel from in the world, when you come in, fly into Ireland, or if you come in by ferry, you have to quarantine for two weeks, and you, you must quarantine in the hotel, not go home. Yeah, yeah and, pay, you know, and pay the 2,000 euro yourself. No one's going to pay yeah. it for you. Okay, listen, I... We know that 1,500 people flew in from Brazil when they have the most dangerous
of the COVID-19 over there. And we allow the government, not us, the government allowed them flying. They're the migrant and, workers inside in the meat factories. And there's also people travelling in from holidays or travelling in to see, like people are travelling in to see relatives and friends. Like, listen, we all have family around the world, in England, Australia, and America. Um, like, all your family, they never came home this Christmas. Yeah, we haven't people, seen like, them in over a year. Yeah, 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 we're all and in that boat. OK, listen, uh, Thomas, we'll let you get into the doll. In the meantime, thank you for that. And thank uh, you thanks for joining us. That's uh, Sinn Féin TD for Cork North Central, uh, Thomas uh, Gould. Looking for your pet questions, please, for Jane Pickett, our uh, resident uh, vet. You can get them into 1850 or you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And actually, just on the, while we're talking about pets and an- animals, there is, if you are out today buy a paper I'm also trying to get people to buy a newspaper and support a newspaper if you're out in a newspaper shop the front page of the Irish Times has the most amazing photograph taken by a photographer by the name of James Crombie and it is a murmuration of starlings you know the way starlings all get together in the sky and they do this murmuration they all gather together but they they've they're in their they're in their murmuration. Is that what you call it? They, they when they get into the murmuration, and it's it's made the shape of a giant bird. It's over a lock in Mullingar in County Westmeath yesterday. It is just the most stunning photograph. Now it's a moment in time, and I would say this photographer was so blessed to be there at just the right time and to click the camera just the, the right time. But it is a stunning, stunning photograph. So well done to James Crombie. It's on the front page of the Irish Times. And Rosari has emailed Patricia at C103.ie asking me to mention the Shandrum Cayley Band, the wonderful Shandrum Cayley Band. They're one of the leading acts for the St. Patrick's Festival this year. And the OPW recently opened up beautiful Donnerell Court so that the Shandrub Cayley Band could do a special recording which is going to be aired on TV as part of the St. Patrick's uh, Day Festival. And Rosario, if you let us know date and time of when it's on so we can keep a lookout uh, for it. It really is uh, terrific. And Rosario says, great honour not only for Shan, for Shandrum, but indeed for the whole of North Cork. And it also highlights the beautiful so- surroundings in Donnerell Court. And actually I saw in the paper this morning that the OPW talking about, you know, they light up various buildings for St. Patrick's Day and there'll be buildings lit up around the world as well, even though we'll be having a very different St. Patrick's Day. Well, it'll be a little bit like last year's one, but we won't be celebrating it the way that we normally do but it's good to know that places are going to be lit up in green and I saw that Donnerell Court is going to be lit up in green and I'm open to correction but is that the first time that Donnerell Court has been lit up for St. Patrick's uh, Day so that's going to be quite special on St. Patrick's Day as well so the best of luck to everybody in Shandrub Cayley Band and as I say Rosari if you can let us know when you're going to be on TV with that special piece that was recorded in Donnerell Court I will certainly mention it for the list John Paul taking your calls. It is pet questions we're looking for. Please, 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp your pet questions to 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Sanctuary, 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, joining us as she does every Thursday. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, Patricia. And, and you are very welcome. Okay, let's say uh, anyone who's got questions for Jane, you can text uh, me on WhatsApp me here to the studio 0862 103 103. And John Paul has taken the calls at 1850 Let me start with some questions in already. Two uh, relating to what looks like bladder issues. Theresa Mallow was on. She has a small Yorkshire terrier. Now he's 15 years old, so a little bit on the older side. And he started weeing in the kitchen, something he's never done before. I put him out several times, but it's still happening. Any advice, please? And I'll tie this in because this may be the same. It might be the same answer. This is from uh, Margaret. My dog, who's approximately 10 and whom I got from a rescue centre about a year ago. uh, It was just before the first lockdown. Exceptionally clean, but recently seems to leak while she's sitting down, whether it's just outside the back door or in the hallway or the kitchen. Could her bladder muscles be weakening as she doesn't seem to realise this is happening? Any advice? Welcome. I don't know if they're two separate issues or one and the same. But advice, please. I think they could potentially be. They have. They have. Let's say common themes yeah. <laughs> um, with uh, any change in urinary habits. So whether that be leaking a little bit of urine or increased urgency to need to pee. So that might manifest as needing to pee inside and not quite making it outside to where they would normally toilet if they're toilet trained. That's always a concern. And I think both of these dogs, it would be prudent for them to visit the vet for an examination. Um, in the case of our first little dog where, you know, he'll go outside, he'll pee outside and then he'll consciously kind of come in and pee inside as well. That sounds like it could either be that he's, you know, he feels like he's getting caught short. So he has uh, maybe producing a little bit more urine than previously and is hence needing to, to urinate a bit more frequently. So he might be getting caught short and not quite making it outside like he normally would. Um, there are lots of things that can cause that. It can be a little bladder infection, so a little bacterial infection 
or it could be problems that come along with old age. So sometimes problems with the kidneys or other things like diabetes, very similar to in humans, we, we sometimes need to pee a little bit more if that happens. With the little lady dog who is not realizing that she's peeing, it could be something similar. It could be that there's a little bit more urine production and she can't quite hold it. So it could be a little bladder infection or let's say indeed kidney trouble that might need to be ruled out. But for her, my first instinct would be that it might indeed be that her bladder muscles, so the little kind of tightening at the neck of the bladder that keeps the pee inside in the bladder um, until we decide we need to pee, that might be loosening because it sounds like she's not particularly aware that she's leaking a little bit. And sometimes in older lady dogs, we do notice that they can have a, a little problem with this muscle not being as tight. So they can leak, particularly when they're moving around. And generally, people will see it when they're, let's say, standing up or lying down. So any pressure on the belly um, is pressure on the bladder and it might just cause a little leak. There are things that can be done about that. So there are medications that can help if it is just a little bit of a loosening of that sphincter, so that little muscle um, for the older dogs and it's, it's hormonal therapy that can improve that but the really important thing common so that infection is ruled out that we're sure that the urine is nicely concentrated so your vet will be able to test to see if, if let's say the the urine is being concentrated properly by the kidneys or might even suggest blood tests to double check the kidneys or the blood sugar. I think either way, I think the first step is visit your vet, discuss the pattern of the peeing with them. Um, they'll do a full physical exam and there might be a need for further diagnostics, but I think that that's definitely warranted in both of these cases. Okay. Uh, my five-year-old Bijan Freeze mix. It sounds like he's got something stuck in his throat and tries, tries to cough it up. It's almost at times like it looks like he's going to vomit but nothing ever comes up. Happens a couple of times a, a week and it's only been happening for the last month or so. Should I be concerned? I think if he's otherwise well in himself, I, I wouldn't be panicking at this point. If he's, let's say, eating, drinking, he's not constantly hacking. It's unlikely that there's something, let's say, per se, stuck in the throat. But that is always possible. Dogs are marvelous, marvelously good at hiding, hiding objects being stuck in their mouth, their teeth, their throat. Um, but if it's been going on for a little while, by the sounds of it, then, then that's less likely because usually these things, they deteriorate. It sounds like there might be a bit of an irritation within the throat or within the windpipe itself, the trachea, um, or possibly even a little infection. If your dog is particularly social, very much like ourselves, if we're out and about socialising with a lot of people um, in normal non-COVID times, of course, then we can get, let's say, flus, coughs, colds. And it's very similar for dogs. They can get a, a kind of a, a certain group of infections that are kind of all under the umbrella of canine cough, so canine infectious cough. Um, and a young to kind of middle-aged dog, that's one thing we will be wondering about. Um, it is possible that they could just have been very unlucky and got a little irritation or inflammation of the throat or, or the windpipe, and that might need treating too. But I would say at this point, if it's not improving in itself, it would definitely be worth getting checked out. Um, so I would I would visit your vet. Okay, Daniel has you no. Know, I don't know what breed of dog, and I don't know if it matters, but just says my little dog has a tendency to eat grass and will then get sick. Will bring the grass up afterwards. He's been fully warmed. He's had all of his shots, etc. Uh, why does he do this? Is it just a bad habit? Mm, this is interesting. Um, so there was always the thought previously that dogs eat grass when they want to get sick, and that is certainly true so if they're feeling nauseous sometimes they'll they'll eat a little bit of grass because they know that that will kind of upset things and they'll get sick and sometimes it's better better out than in um so it may be that they're feeling nauseous if this is only something that happens once in a blue moon then i wouldn't be too worried dogs can be 
interesting little creatures and can eat things all over the place that we mightn't realize and they might realize themselves that they feel a bit nauseous and they need to get sick to get rid of what it is that's making them feel a bit ill if it's once in a blue moon i wouldn't worry too much but if this is a more regular habit or a good change in behavior for your dog it definitely warrants investigation interestingly enough there is kind of some early research just so some dogs actually just have a habit of eating grass and it has the unhappy side effect of making them feel a bit nauseous afterwards um so for some dogs it can be habitual but in the vast majority of dogs it's generally their response to feeling a bit nauseous like they want to vomit so they'll kind of induce vomiting in themselves because they know something feels a little bit off so i think if it's a change for your dog get it investigated i think it's always better to be overcautious than be sorry later so yeah Okay, Debbie's Jack Russell pup has a little patch on its paw where the hair has fallen out. Doesn't appear to be any irritation on the skin. Uh, What could she do? What could it be? Okay, so it could just be a little bit of a hurt, very much like ourselves. If if the paw had unbeknownst to any of us got stuck in something or a little bit of pressure um, or a little scratch had caused the, the skin to get inflamed and potentially the hair to fall out. So a little bald patch is left. That might have been something that's happened. I think an interesting thing would be whether this little dog is um, biting or licking at the area or whether he's paying no attention to it at all. If he's biting or licking at the area or showing it a bit more attention than than normal, I would say it's probably either painful or itchy. And they're both two signs that need to be acted on um, by a visit to the vet. It could be, and we see this an awful lot in, um, in dogs in particular, if they are itchy on their skin, sometimes they will start nibbling at their toes or licking at their paws because it's an easy place for them to get to. It's very much like ourselves biting our nails when we get a bit stressed out. Um, Sometimes it could be a response to stress, but more frequently it's a response to them feeling a bit itchy and that's the easiest way for them to kind of itch at their skin. We always kind of classically think of an itchy dog as scratching with their back legs or tearing at themselves off the carpet. But really, foot is the most common. Yeah. Okay. Hi, Jane. My cat's fur is very matted at the moment. What can I do to get out the mattedness of, of it? I've tried brushing it, but she keeps rolling in the ground when she's outside, making it worse. It's obviously a very fluffy cat. Fluffy cats, yeah, they can be quite the challenge because cats will be cats and they will roll in all manner of things. Now, a lot of the time they're very good at cleaning themselves um, and that will keep everything in check. So it's really a two part thing. I'd wonder for this little cat, is there something that's stopping it grooming itself? So is it, let's say, does it have um, mobility issues so it's not as flexible as it was before to be able to groom itself? Um, So maybe if you're concerned about any stiffness, there might be early onset arthritis. So speak to your vet. But to get rid of the mats, if it's very matted, you might need to get your vet to um, arrange either with their veterinary nurses or a local groomer um, to to clip those mats out with the clippers. Because a lot of the time detangling very, very thickly matted hair is more painful to the cat than having it clipped out. So on welfare grounds, a lot of the time clipping it away, although it may not be the most aesthetically pleasing result, is the most comfortable thing for the cat. But if they're only mild mats, you can try brushing and there are, let's say, um, detangling sprays on the market specifically for pets so speak to your vet or your local groomer about what they might have available that you might be able to spray into it and then brush out at home Okay and if it does have to be cut out it does fully grow back so the the cat will be fine Okay listen we'll leave it there Jane have a lovely week we'll chat next Thursday thanks for that 
you too. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye bye. That is Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. That's where I leave you for today. Mark Malone is in for Nick Richards for the afternoon. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. We're back with you tomorrow morning for the final one of the week tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Have a lovely afternoon and stay safe. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.